Hey, Brett Curry here. Welcome to another episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast. So excited that you could join us. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce. Hey, that's my company. Uh, OMG Commerce is the primary underwriter of the e-commerce evolution podcast. And we're excited to do that. Excited to bring this content to you. A quick offer from OMG Commerce. We are a Google Premier Partner. So we're in the top 3% of all Google partners, one of the fastest growing in the world last year. Uh, if you would like a second set of eyes on your Google campaigns, whether that's Google Shopping, Search, YouTube, Remarketing, or the like, we would love to talk to you. Love to schedule a strategy session. Love to look at your campaigns and provide ideas for improvement. Also, Amazon. We would love to talk to you about your Amazon ad strategy and have an Amazon audit for you, uh, complimentary for listeners of the e-commerce evolution podcast. Our Amazon department is led by Mr. Chris Tyler to find out more about the way we approach Amazon campaigns. Go back and check out episode 39 as we do a deep dive and look at Amazon advertising. But we would love to help you with either of those traffic sources. And so if you're interested, go to omgcommerce.com, click on any of the services, and there's a quick form to fill out right there. And now back to the show. Today's episode is different. This is not the standard interview with an e-commerce expert or e-commerce store owner. This is actually a recording from a live speaking engagement. I spoke at an event in St. Louis several weeks ago, and I was breaking down our full funnel growth strategy for e-commerce. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, if you see me speak at other events, I talk about funnels a lot and thinking about specifically shopping funnels and how to craft the perfect campaign to take someone from the awareness stage to the evaluation stage to the decision stage in their shopping process. And so in this talk, I break down YouTube strategies, Google shopping strategies, AdWords strategies, and also how to think about your campaigns as a team, not as these individual standalone silos or islands, but how to view your campaigns as working together for a common goal to expand and grow your funnel. So hopefully this will be a little bit different, uh, different energy, because I'm speaking in front of a, a group of people. And so I uh, hope you enjoy this talk on seven tips for full funnel growth for e-commerce. Enjoy. All right, all right. Last, last session of the day. You guys are either the brave ones or the ones that didn't have any additional plans because uh, you were here for the final session. And man, am I glad that you were here. So I like that. There's a little bit of enthusiasm. Who, who would say you've had at least a mildly adequate day? So at least a mildly adequate day. Anybody had like quite a bit above average day? Anybody had a spectacular day? <laughs> Anybody had, has anyone had your mind blown today? Anybody? Okay. All right. Okay. So that's, that is where I'm setting the bar then. That's, that's my goal. I want somebody to say, you blew my mind. Uh, I'm going to have to redo my slides though, because no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I'm supposed to stand on this stage, which is tough for me. Uh, I do speak a decent amount all about marketing not a motivational speaker, but I do talk about marketing a lot. I like to move around a little bit, so I may, I may break the rules. I also don't like to follow the rules, so I might, I might uh, jump off the stage here in a minute, but 
because of feedback and the recording, I'm supposed to stay here a little bit. So I'll do that uh, for the most part. Uh, to help me and also to help you, this is a good time to kind of look around the room a little bit. How many of you guys here are students? So some recognition to the students in the crowd. All right, give it up for the students. Way to make it out today. Awesome. How many of you guys are, are business owners? So any, any business owners, entrepreneurs? Give it up for the business owners as well. Fantastic. Um, and then who here is either an agency owner or you're with an agency slash marketing company? Right, a lot of you. So we are, we are kindred spirits, right? So I run an agency as well. That's what I do most of, most of the time. Uh, we're going to talk about full funnel growth. This is the type of topic that when I, when I try to talk about these things with my wife at home, as an example, she gets sleepy, she tries to change the subject, right? But as marketers, we should love this stuff, right? This should, this should motivate us and excite us. And so I'm going to explain what full funnel growth is in a minute. Uh, I want this presentation to be very tactical so that you can take a handful of these things away, implement them in your business, use them to serve your clients better, use them to grow your own business. And so we'll talk a little bit high-level mindset because there's a few things we have to shift, I believe, to really unlock the power of full funnel growth. Uh, but then we're going to dive into tactics. And so uh, by also by show of hands, how many of you either serve e-commerce companies or you work for an e-commerce company? Just so I know kind of how to frame my examples. It's about half the crowd. Okay. So I work primarily in the e-commerce space, but what I'm going to talk about totally applies to the legion or service-based businesses or all kinds of companies. Several of my examples are e-commerce based. I just wanted to see how much I needed to dive into those versus diversify a little bit. So I'll kind of, I'll kind of diversify a little bit as we go. Uh, I've had the privilege of writing for some pretty cool places. So Search Engine Journal, written for them, uh, SEM Rush, And then who here is, is doing Google Shopping? So that is, that is one of our topics. Some of you guys are engaged in Google Shopping. Okay, good. So I started to totally nerd out on Google Shopping back in 2012. A friend of mine who ran a t-shirt business in North Carolina came up to me at a conference and said, dude, you'll never guess what I'm getting on my Google Shopping. I'm getting like a 12x return. And that, that was it. Like, that's all I needed to hear. So I started testing, diving in, tweaking. We started rolling it out for clients. Uh, became a bit of an expert, really, really dove into the weeds on Google Shopping. And so I wrote the ultimate guide to Google Shopping that Shopify published. So if you search for Google Shopping guide on Google, uh, a guide that I wrote is the number one result. So, so check that out. It's like 50 pages of pure nerdiness. Um, I think you'll like it. Or if you're not into e-commerce, it will be the cure for insomnia for you. So, so either way, I think this could be super beneficial. Uh, I do get to speak at some events uh, spoke at Traffic and Conversion. So anybody go to Traffic and Conversion Summit in, uh, where was that? San Diego. Hey, my business partner, Chris, is here. Thanks. Yeah, so Chris has helped me out. If, if you guys don't participate, Chris is here to, to help out. So I really appreciate you spotting me on that one. Yes. Laugh at all the jokes, clap, cheer, get raucous. Uh, I do recommend, though, Traffic and Conversion Summit, one of the best marketing conferences, not named MWMC or whatever this, M, geez, that was bad. MDMC. Uh, it's, it's an amazing conference. I've spoken there the last couple of years, internet retailer, social media marketing world, and a few like that. So there you go. Also, anybody here like podcasts? Is anybody a podcast fan? 
I'm a podcast junkie. I understand for a while I had this prejudice against people that didn't like podcasts. So I'm like, what do you do in your car? Do you listen to the radio? That's worthless. Listen to a podcast. Uh, But I know not everybody is an auditory learner, right? So I backed off of my prejudice. And so it's okay if you don't like podcasts. Uh, But that's how I learned. So I listen to podcasts on my commute. I just uh, consume these things. But I run the e-commerce evolution podcast. So if you're into e-commerce, you serve e-commerce companies, uh, we interview merchants and service providers and tell unique e-commerce stories. So check out that podcast if that is of interest. So uh, let's, let's talk about a bit of a problem. There's a, there's a problem with online marketing, right? Anybody here start their credits? We've got some students, right, who, you know, never were alive before the internet and stuff. But anybody here in traditional marketing before online marketing? Anybody do like TV, radio, print, that sort of thing? So I'm one of those guys as well. Uh, I started with TV, radio, and a tiny bit of print, but maybe mainly TV and radio, and the thing that I loved about online marketing was you could track it, right? You could measure it. I remember in the, like 2004, I helped a company get to page one on Google for the, the, the keyword brochures, right? And it was like I hit the lottery. I mean, I was, I was on a, a, a high. I got totally addicted to SEO. And I saw the impact of that, of that business. And so the thing that I loved about about online marketing was you could measure it, right? You could see from start to finish what somebody does, how they engage with the website. Do they check out or do they not check out? And really, that's why I fell in love with e-commerce because we can see so much of the, the checkout funnel, so much of the journey. You can see, you know, here's what we paid for the click and then here's what they did on the site and then here's who bought and who didn't. However, however, there, there's a, a bit of a pit side, uh, pitfall, uh, downside, if you will, to being able to measure everything. Uh, we often measure it incorrectly. We don't know how to measure results in the best way possible. So I want to kind of frame this, and I've got an analogy. Is everybody okay with sports analogies? Anybody opposed to sports analogies? Okay, no one. Good. Oh, you are? Uh, Just pretend like this is not a sports analogy. So you have to get creative with me. Uh, So uh, one of the things that, that I try to tell people, and hopefully this analogy will work for you, is that we have a tendency as digital marketers to say, okay, you know what? We've got Google Analytics and we've got AdWords and we've got all this data. And so I'm going to be like the metrics Nazi. And I'm going to look at every campaign. And if that campaign doesn't work, I'm going to give it the ax, right? We're going to get rid of that campaign if it's not working. And that is is good uh, in spirit or in theory. But there's some dangers there. So we're going to talk about that. We have a tendency to treat every campaign like it's a silo. Like, here's our Google Shopping campaign, and it lives all by itself, this Google Shopping campaign. Here's our YouTube campaign or campaigns. They live all by themselves, and they interact with people, and so they should lead the direct conversions and live all by themselves. And then here's our our text ad silo, and it should do all of the stuff that it should do all all on its own. But really, there's there's a better way. Uh, There's a better way, and this is where the funnel comes in. So what we need to look at is how do campaigns work together? How do they interact together to expand your funnel? to feed your funnel. Now, I'll talk about funnels really quickly, and then I'll get into the sports analogy. So uh, the word funnel is used a lot. You know, if you go to any marketing conference, uh, my business partner just got back from Funnel Hackers Live in Orlando. There's kind of like this sales funnel process, right, where you're looking at, okay, someone clicked on this page, and they took this action, so they're going to get this upsell or downsell or cross-sell or whatever, that kind of funnel. This is more about shopping funnels. This is more about the journey someone goes through as they're shopping, Okay. 
but here's the, here's the analogy. Uh, anybody here a fan of the 90s NBA? Would anyone agree with me that that was like the golden era of NBA? That's, that's what I'm talking about. See, you guys, you guys know your stuff. So in my opinion, my not-so-humble opinion, I think this is still the greatest basketball team of all time. Yeah, yeah, all right, you're with me. So the 95-96 Bulls, this is the year they went 72-10. and 10. They did win the finals that year. So I know Golden State went, uh, what was it, 73-9 and or something this last year. But they did not complete. They did not win the championship. The Bulls did. And so if you look at the picture, right, if you, if you have a pulse, if you've been around uh, at sports at all, who, who is the heart and soul of this team? Like who, who, why was this team the best of all time? Jordan. Yeah, absolutely. It's Michael Jordan. Never going to be a better player for, for, my, for my dollar. Never going to be another Michael Jordan. He was the best, uh, is still the best, in my opinion. Uh, but it is a team sport, right? It, it, not everybody could be Michael Jordan. You can't have five Michael Jordans on the court at the same time. They would start fighting with each other, probably. It just doesn't work, right? So you have to have a team. So they were also great because of this guy. Now, I know it's a little bit risky to show this guy because he is a hot mess. And, and little did we know that, like, the crazy hair and tattoos, that that was the most normal part of Dennis Rodman. But anyway, this guy, Dennis Rodman, he would do stuff like this, right? Loose ball, he's laying it on the line, he's diving for that loose ball, he's guarding the best defender. I've been, uh, my son plays basketball and I, I coach as well, so I've been showing him some 90s footage, trying to indoctrinate him, you know, back, back when, the, when basketball was, was at its top, at its peak. And so, you know, we were watching this video of Rodman guarding Shaq. And he made Shaq so mad that Shaq started swinging at him and then tried to attack him. And Rodman's just smiling at him, right? There's this crazy, this crazy smile. But he was such an important part of this team. He would get rebounds. He would guard the other team's best player. He was an integral part of the team. Okay, but imagine this scenario. Imagine that Phil Jackson and crew at the end of a game, they're looking at the stat sheets, right? So like a digital marketer might. They're looking at the stat sheet and they say, Jordan dropped 55 last night. We gotta get another Jordan. We gotta, we gotta get another Jordan in here. And did you see, did you see what Rodman did? Rodman scored like four points. Four measly points is all Rodman scored. I think we gotta trade him. We, we, gotta, we gotta trade him, we gotta bench him because he's not doing what we want him to do, right? Now, anybody that knows basketball would know, that's crazy. Like, Rodman was not there to score points. Rodman was there to get rebounds and to guard people and to, to wreak havoc on the court. That's why we had Rodman. Uh, but here is what we run into in the world of marketing. We want everything to be Michael Jordan, right? We, want, we see how our Google Shopping campaigns perform. You know, my, my buddy who said he got a 12X, we actually have an automotive client that's getting like an 18X return. We have lots of clients in the health space that are getting more like a one-to-one -one return, but they're fine with it because they know what their, their lifetime value is and that they're trying to build their funnel. So we, we look at, at these different campaign types and we think everything has to convert the same way. Every channel has to do what Google Shopping does, but that's not the way it works, right? These, these, these channels work differently. They're designed to work differently. So we have to treat them differently. We also have to look at how do they work together? So how do you get these campaigns working in, as a team to really create expansive growth and the, the kind of growth that we want to see? So we're going to dive into this. I'm uh, going to talk about YouTube, which is, is maybe my favorite thing to talk about other than Google Shopping, uh, AdWords, Google Display Network, 
I'm going to talk about how to blend those all together to create this powerhouse combination of campaigns to get full funnel growth. Let's talk about, let's talk about full funnel. Uh, uh, somebody give me an example. What is something you have shopped for recently online? Shoes? Okay. I love the example of shoes. I'm, I'm coming off the stage for a minute. So, uh, so shoes. So what, what kind of shoes are you looking for? Flats. Okay. Uh, are you wearing fancy shoes right now? Can you show the audience? Okay, cool. Uh, so searching for flats. Now, uh, any particular like uh, fabric style, leather, or what are, we, what are we looking for? Beige flats. So here we go. So let, let, let's, uh, let's, let's look at the top of the funnel here. So the top of the funnel is where you're just becoming aware of what your options are, right? So that, that particular search is a pretty good top of funnel search. I'm looking for beige flats, right? I don't know about brand. I don't really know about material. I don't really know about fit. I just know I want flats. I know I want beige, right? So Google, help me out, right? Give me some options. So I'm typing in beige flats, right? So that would be very top of funnel. Okay, as you get into, so that's, that's kind of when you begin your journey. Now you're clicking around, you're reading reviews, you're seeing what, what flats are good and what flats are not good. And then you move into that evaluation stage. And that's where you're maybe doing some hardcore comparison. So, now, so give me a couple of flat brands because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stumble on this one. What are some brands of shoes? Nike, the Nike flat, that's what I would have said. I'm a basketball guy, right? Yeah, DSW, whatever the other one you just said. So, right, so I'm looking at DSW flat. So uh, now I'm starting to compare. And when you're in that evaluation stage, that's where Google Shopping shines, right? Because it's a comparison shopping engine. And I'm seeing this flat next to this flat, doing a little comparison on price, looking at pictures, looking at reviews, things like that. And then when it comes to decision, it's really about when am I going to buy and where am I going to buy, right? So now I think I, I think I know the flat that I want. And now I'm looking for the best price, the best deal, the best time to buy, right? So really, as we look at that, we run the risk of being so focused on metrics. And when I say metrics, I really mean conversions. We can become so focused on optimizing each campaign as a silo for conversions that we shrink our funnel. We make our funnel too small, right? So you can either have the funnel on the left or you can have the funnel on the right, right? So either big funnel, small funnel, up to you. But this is how we're going to build a bigger funnel. So... Uh, we could start at the bottom of the funnel. I think starting at the top of the funnel is a little bit more interesting. So that's where we're going to start. So let, let's go top of funnel. So again, this is like awareness stage. These are people that are just beginning their research. They're just beginning to, to figure out, you know, who they're going to choose for the, the service they're looking for, who they're going to choose for the product they're looking for. So this is, this is awareness stage stuff right here. So does anybody remember, uh, and then you students, like you grew up with Google, so you, you don't probably, but anybody remember the first time you searched on Google? And maybe you were used to other search engines and you typed in your query and you thought, wow, Google read my mind. Like, this is exactly what I was looking for. It's so amazing. Uh, so keyword-based advertising is still very powerful, right? Google knows what you mean by the keywords you type in. They deliver results that are very relevant. So thinking about your keyword strategy and thinking about, do I want to target people that are saying, that are typing in beige flats or best beige flats, you know, thinking about the keywords, that is important. Uh, but what you have to do, and what Google now allows us to do with some of their tools that they have, is we can go beyond the query, right? Go beyond the query and look at the person behind the query. So somebody else, give me another, give me another product example. Something else you've shopped for recently. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yeah, so, so you type in consignment Gucci purse, Google's going to hook you up. And then Tom Ford, wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. Okay. So that now, that would probably, if you typed it in like that, 
you're a woman who knows what you want, right? You know exactly what you're looking for. So I'm looking for the, the consignment Tom Ford Gucci purse. So that's more like mid, mid funnel or, or, or lower in the funnel, which is awesome. Um, but let's say, uh, uh, give me another example. So, so we got shoes, we got purses. Yes. Perfect. So mirrorless camera. All right, that's good. That could definitely be, still be top of funnel where I'm typing in mirrorless camera because I want to shop for some options. Right? I don't want the SLR camera. I want the mirrorless camera. So here's the deal. What if you had two people searching for mirrorless camera? Uh, did, you, did you buy the mirrorless camera recently? Okay. So, so and what's your name? So Leo, here's Leo searching for a mirrorless camera. He's in the market, man. He's hot. He's, he's wanting to buy the mirrorless camera. We also have uh, my son, Nathan, who's in high school. He's doing a report on the evolution of the camera. And he's looking for pictures. And he's trying to decide, what am I going to include in my report? So he types in mirrorless camera. Leo also types in mirrorless camera. Now, you are the seller of mirrorless cameras. Who do you want to target with your ad? I want Leo, right? I don't care about, I don't care about the high school kid. If he finds my site some way that I'm not paying for, that's fine. But I want to pay for Leo, right? I want to know who's behind that search query. And so that's what audience targeting is all about. It allows us to see who is uh, searching for, for, or who is behind the keyword or behind the query. So help a client sell uh, different high-end mixers. So kind of the same thing. If you're selling a high-end mixer, you'd maybe like to know a little bit about the person's income, their, you know, what, what they have done in the past, some other things that we'll get into in a minute rather than someone who's just researching or someone who never buys online and that, and that type of thing. So a couple of things that we can look at, and these are not new. We'll talk about some new stuff in just a minute, but you can look at demographics. So this is primarily on the search side. This is primarily text ads or AdWords. We can look at demographics. So maybe we say, if I'm bidding on mirrorless camera as a keyword, I only want to target people that are, that are 25 plus, right? Anybody below 25, don't want to mess with it. So, so maybe we're looking at some demographics. Uh, maybe we're also looking at income. Anybody using income targeting on Google right now? It's not perfect. So when you use income targeting on Google, it actually is based on the zip code of the person searching. So it's not exactly scientific yet. You know, there's some weird zip codes in certain cities where you've got some really high-end homes and a street away, it's something that, that's, that's low. And so it's not perfect, but it, it can be one thing you layer in, right? I want to target the, the upper 50% of income earners with my ads. So that's something you do. You also look at geographics. So you can say, you know, hey, these, we're really an urban type company. We helped a company sell room dividers. So room dividers for apartments and things like that. So we focus on urban areas because that's where people need room dividers the most. So you can do geographics and stuff. Uh, I also recommend you dig into the data. So even if you don't layer in audience targeting in the beginning, look at the data in AdWords and see who's responding. So you can look at, this is, this is a click report, who's clicking. This is actually for a, a company that sells uh, cell phone accessories. So screen protectors, uh, cases, things like that. Really pretty evenly uh, mixed, as you could imagine, skewing a little bit younger because these are cell phone cases. So those are the people that clicked, and then those are the people that converted. So you can see this data inside AdWords in the audience section and see who's actually responding. And then you can use this to say, okay, we, people 55 plus are just not converting. So let's, let's build an audience there and bid down on those people. Try to restrict the number of people in that age group that see our ads. Okay. Here's a couple things, though, that I, that I want to talk about. Anybody here using RLSAs? You guys know what RLSAs are? Someone want to prove your braininess? What is an RLSA? Yell, yell it out. Yes, remarketing list for search ads. So 
Uh, this is a, a brilliant addition by Google. It's not all that new, but this is where you can take your remarketing list. So people that have visited your site, you can make it more detailed. So you can say, hey, people that have visited, visited my product detail page, people who have visited X number of pages, people who added something to their cart but did not check out, someone who got to my uh, you know, request a quote page or my request service page and didn't complete that. You can really build the audience you want to build, but then you can take that audience and layer it on top of your search campaigns and also your Google Shopping campaigns. And so the idea here is, have you ever been shopping for a product or a service, clicked around on multiple sites, and then when you were done, you really forgot most of what you looked at. Like, you know, you, you don't remember the companies, you don't remember the, what was good or bad. You know, we're, we're busy. We're, we're shopping for a lot of things. We're looking at a lot of things. So one of the things, we talked to this auto parts deal that I referenced before, and we introduced this idea to them a couple of years ago. We said, hey, we can actually take your remarketing audiences and bid more for them on, on search and shopping. And they were like, well, why would we do that? Because they already know us, right? They already know who we are. They've already been to our site. But by definition, right, if they're going to Google and searching for a keyword related to a product, then that means they don't remember you, right? Or, or, or you're not going to be the, necessarily the first place they'll go because they went back to Google and made a generic search, right? So, so remarking this for search ads, that's important. But we're talking top of funnel here. So remarking this for search ads doesn't necessarily fit top of funnel, right? Uh, let's talk about similar audiences. How many of you guys are on Facebook, advertising on Facebook? So, so think lookalike audiences. So Facebook is phenomenal. I know they're in a lot of hot water right now. Holy cow. Uh, but I love Facebook advertising, and, and I think they'll come through this. But um, if you look at lookalike audiences, right, so you can upload your email list to Facebook or upload a remarketing list to Facebook, and then they'll build a, a lookalike audience. So here are some characteristics of your audience. Here's an audience that looks just like them, right? So we're going to find more people like your audience. Same thing is possible on Google with, with similar audiences. So we can upload our, our converters, so people that have purchased, and then have Google build a similar audience based on them or upload people that have visited our, our, our checkout page, but abandon and create a similar audience. So one thing you might do, if you say, hey, we wanna, we wanna start opening up the funnel a little bit. We wanna go after people that are typing in mirrorless camera, beige flats. And so, but we don't wanna just target everybody. So now we can open up to those keywords, but only for a similar audience. Does that make sense? So now we're, now we're going broader with our, with our keyword reach, but we're narrowing it down to just people who look like our best buyers. Does that make sense? You guys following that? Okay. Um, and, and so then a couple of other audiences. Now, the, now these are phenomenal. Anybody using a, a custom affinity audience? Does that sound familiar to anybody? Okay. So have you ever, have you ever wanted to or ever had a, had a client ask you, hey, can we retarget our competitors' traffic? Right? So these are my top competitors, and I really specifically hate this competitor. Can we remarket to their visitors? And the answer, of course, is no, you can't, right? You can't pixel their audience or put a conversion tracking code on, on their site. You just can't do it. But custom affinity audiences, what you can do is you can tell Google two things. You can give Google a list of URLs, a list of websites, and a list of keywords and have them build an audience for you. Right? So this is what this looks like. So you tell Google, hey, these are my top five competitors, and I want you to find an audience of people that are like those who visit that site. So we sell flats. We can say, hey, these are, you know, it's Payless Shoes, but it's also, you know, Neiman Marcus or whatever. We, we, pick, we pick the right merchant. So it's these sites. And we want to layer in these keywords. So now it's beige flats, 
you know, black flats, flats for women, stuff like that. You layer in those keywords. And so then what Google does is they build an audience for you. So they build an audience. And here's what a lot of people suspect, that actually you do target some of the visitors of those sites. Google doesn't, doesn't like confirm or deny or guarantee it, but that is the belief that you are likely targeting some of the visitors of those pages. So you layer in those sites and then you give keywords. And, and in, this, in this particular instance with affinity audiences, it could be a variety of things, but it's mainly people that are looking for those keywords or reading content about those keywords. So maybe, maybe I look like someone who's been to Neiman Marcus uh, and I have also been on a site reading about flats. Is Neiman Marcus only guys' clothing? I'm showing my ignorance here with apparel. So anyway, you, you understand what I'm saying, uh, even though I'm maybe getting the brands wrong. But that's custom affinity audience. Now, that is currently only available for uh, YouTube or display. It, but that is an awesome audience to layer into YouTube as an example, saying, hey, Google, if someone has been behaving like this online, then I want to show my YouTube ad to that person. In market audiences, anybody know what an in market audience is? Anybody ever use an in market audience? None of you? Okay, awesome. Uh, a couple of you, great. Uh, so, in market means Google's looked at the previous two week search behavior for a user and they've determined that they're in the market for something. So this is another way to kind of weed out that example before where I said, hey, it's my son searching for a camera versus Leo searching for a camera. So, if someone's just doing research, they're maybe typing in, I want to see pictures of. I want the history of, I want blah, blah, blah. If I'm buying, I'm looking at reviews, I'm looking at price, I'm looking at where to buy, things like that. So Google looks at your search behavior and says, ah, this person is in the market for skincare or hair care products or a camera. What's coming soon is what's called, so right now you have like this list of in-market audiences you can pick from, but what's coming soon is custom in-market audiences where you can be very specific and you can say, uh, Google, find me uh, a list of people looking for organic chocolate, right? Or, or this type of you know, low-carb low chocolate, something like that. And then Google will build that audience for you. So that's what's coming, which is really powerful. So, so the idea is, as you go broader in the funnel, as you look at who can we introduce our, our, our brand or our service to, and these are people that are maybe not ready to buy yet, they're just kind of researching or whatever, we want to go stricter on the audience, right? We don't want to just target everybody. We want to be strict with that audience. So for top of funnel, be strict with, with your audience targeting. Now, here's another key to going top of funnel. Uh, everybody know who this guy is? Mr. Short Shorts himself. A lot of boldness for those short shorts. Anybody know who that is? John Stockton, yes. Utah Jazz, uh, amazing basketball player. John Stockton could get to the rim. He could shoot threes occasionally. But what was he really known for? Assist, absolutely. So he was the assist guy. Uh, now, some could argue that that's not as valuable as someone who actually puts the ball in the bucket. You had Carl Malone, who was scoring a lot of the points. But John Stockton was really valuable because he would slash in the lane, dish it off to Carl Malone, Carl Malone would score. Here's what we see a lot with top-of-funnel campaigns. They often are the assist campaigns. So whatever campaign I encounter, if I'm typing in best SL or best mirrorless camera, that just gets me introduced to the brand that's probably not what I'm going to purchase. I'm probably going to purchase later. But that, that campaign may be awesome at creating assists or assisted conversions. And here's what we're seeing. A lot of times for top of funnel, and we've done this for everything from barbecue grills to skincare to apparel to auto parts and everything in between, is that often for your top of funnel campaigns, 
For every direct conversion where someone clicks on that ad and they buy right away, you often have two to four direct uh, assisted conversions, which makes sense. That's kind of the nature of a top of funnel campaign. Does everybody know how to, how to track assisted conversions? It's in analytics. I'm happy to, if you guys want to email me afterwards, I'll show that in a minute. It's in your uh, multi-channel funnels report under conversions and analytics. Uh, so you go to conversions, multi-channel funnel report, and then it's assisted conversions. That's actually a really a little better way to do it too. And I'm happy to email you if you'd like to see that. But so, so one thing to consider is if I'm, if I'm judging a campaign, I can't just look at direct conversions. I have to also look at assisted conversions. So everybody familiar with the term last click conversion or direct conversion? This has been the gold standard, and this is why there's so much of digital marketing measurement that's wrong. Our default is we look at last click, meaning whatever the, the source of that click right before conversion, whatever the source of that click, it gets 100% of the credit, right? So often, the source of that last click is your branded search campaign, right? Because maybe I, maybe I typed in mirrorless camera, I watched a YouTube video, then I maybe typed in and looked for reviews, and I clicked on an ad, and then after I did all my research, I, I decided, hey, I want Leo's brand of you know, mirrorless camera, so that's what I type in, and that's when I purchase. Well, with last click, attribution, that last ad gets all of the credit, which is just crazy, right? So we have to look at things like assisted to be able to see what impact is this campaign having on overall performance. So goals for top of funnel is really, let's, let's look at growing our remarketing list for search ads, right? Because one, one thing to think about is because those remarketing lists work so well, if one of our goals with top of funnel is just to grow that list, right? What if we just grew our remarketing list so we could use that in other campaigns, that's a pretty good goal. And that can help grow overall conversions. Measure assisted conversions at top of the funnel. That, that's where you're gonna really see uh, those increasing. Uh, increasing your brand campaign. So a lot of times the top of funnel feeds the bottom of funnel, the brand campaigns, and then really just kind of a modest return on ad spend goal. You can't get too aggressive with your return on ad spend for top of funnel campaigns. Now let's talk about YouTube for just a minute. Like I mentioned at the outset, this is one of my favorite channels right now. How many of you guys are running the pre-roll ads on YouTube, so-called YouTube TrueView? How many of you guys are running that? Okay, that's actually quite a bit. Um, a lot of conferences, and, you know, nobody's running uh, YouTube TrueView. And so for those that don't know the way this works, these are the ads that uh, uh, show up before the video you're trying to watch, right? So you're going to YouTube, you're watching a how-to video, right? I either go to YouTube to watch music videos or to watch how-to, right? So I'm, I'm how, to, how to fix my lawnmower. And before I see the how-to video, I see a video of, you know, from Lowe's on, hey, here's, here's all our, our spring savings and deals and stuff like that. So the cool part about that is you as an advertiser only pay if someone watches 30 seconds of the video or the whole video if it's less, or they have to click through to your site. If they don't do either of those things, you don't pay for that impression. You don't pay for that partial view, right? On, on Facebook, Facebook counts a view at three seconds. YouTube counts a view at 30 seconds or the whole video if it's less than 30 seconds. And so here's why this is important. Uh, now, I, I don't necessarily do this myself, but does anybody, anybody actually look for, for gift ideas on YouTube? So you're shopping for a product, you look, you look on YouTube. Anybody confess to doing that? I usually just waste time on, on YouTube. But there's a lot of people that research products on YouTube. So one in four shoppers say they look at online video before making a purchase. So not necessarily YouTube, but one in four shoppers look at, at video before they make a purchase. Also, 90% of smartphone users say they aren't absolutely sure of the product or service they're going to buy when they start searching. Great news for us, right? It means we can influence. It means we can guide them. It means we can point them 
to our brand and to our experience. Okay? So here's what those videos look like. This was actually for a client of ours, uh, Tech Armor, and they sell screen protectors, uh, iPhone cases, things like that. So these were the pre-roll videos. One was called, uh, the question is if, not when. Or, I'm sorry, the question is not if, it's when. So it's not if you're going to drop your iPhone. It's when you're going to, and is it going to make it, and how's it going to recover, and things like that. Um, and so we ran these as pre-roll videos on YouTube. Let's talk a little bit about how we targeted people. A couple of things we did. And these are, these are a couple of my favorite ways to target on YouTube. One, you can look at, at topics and placements. So you can, you can choose a topic like um, technology or mobile technology or, or cell phones or something. That could be your topic. You could go and look at things like 9to5Mac Mac. Or, or other uh, tech companies that review iPhones and things like that. You could choose that as a placement. Uh, but you can also choose keywords. And this is something that's super exciting in YouTube. And this is where I would recommend, if you're going top of funnel with YouTube, this is maybe where you should start. Uh, or you could look at a combination of keyword plus in-market. We also like to stack audiences in YouTube uh, from time to time. And so here are some of the keywords we targeted, right? So some of these may surprise you because you may say, I would not type these into YouTube. This seems silly. But these are keywords that people actually typed into YouTube, not Google. But, but if you look at that, iPhone 7 review, right? So these are people that are maybe, you know, the iPhone, this one, the iPhone 7 was just coming out. So I'm, I'm looking at reviews to try to decide if I'm going to buy the iPhone 7. Or I'm looking at iPhone 7 case reviews or screen protector reviews. Now, how many of you feel like that's pretty good targeting? If we're trying to sell cases, those keywords, those are pretty on point, those keywords. I don't see a single hand. Okay, so you're either tired of raising your hand, so who thinks that's good, good targeting, good keyword targeting? All right, it is, so thank you for raising your hand. Uh, it is good keyword targeting, right? That's very relevant. Someone's typing in and looking for the product. That's good targeting. How many of you think people watched the video and immediately went and bought a case? immediately went and bought a screen protector. Very few people did. Why? Because they were watching a video on reviews. That's what they were there. That's what they were, what they were there to do. Maybe they hadn't even purchased their iPhone 7 yet. Maybe they were about to. Maybe it was on its way. Maybe they were trying to talk their wife into letting them buy an iPhone 7, but they weren't quite ready to purchase yet. So, but here's what we did see, and this is where things become pretty cool. And this is also where a lot of marketers would say, uh, well, you know, I guess the video wasn't good, or I guess... Keywords weren't good, you know, so let's kill, let's kill YouTube, it's not working. Uh, here's what happened, though. We saw tremendous brand lift. So here's a couple of examples. We saw, we had, they had two branded campaigns. Now, branded campaigns, for those of you that know, that's where you're bidding on your own, your own brand name, your own name when someone searches for it. So really, you're going to be maxed out there, right? You're going to show up every time that happens. So we drove additional traffic to these brand searches. So one campaign was up 17% in clicks. The other campaign was up 84% in clicks. After about three or four weeks of running these video ads, what's awesome about that is we actually tested the video in first quarter. So we were comparing first quarter to fourth quarter, which is even better, right? Because when do most people buy stuff? They buy fourth quarter. So uh, we even saw an increase in brand volume in first quarter over fourth quarter. And then uh, even better than clicks, one campaign was up 40% in conversions, the other was up 46% in conversions. And so as we can look at that, we can say, hey, look at what YouTube is doing. It's, re it's casting a broader net. It's reaching people at the top of the funnel, pushing them through to campaigns lower in the funnel, and then we're seeing them check out. But if we're not measuring it properly, if we're not looking at it properly, we would say YouTube is a failure, right? YouTube is not good. Let's stop our YouTube campaigns.
So let's talk about middle of funnel. So this is when, this is maybe when I would type in a keyword like your Gucci keyword, where I'm saying, I'm with Tom Ford Gucci, I want brown, I want consignment. That's probably bordering on bottom of funnel, but let's just say it's, you know, close to, to mid funnel. So when you're in this area, this is where you're looking at people who are pretty darn interested in your product or service. They're, they're probably ready to buy quickly. So we need to expect a lot from our mid funnel campaigns. So just when someone's typing in, you know, a specific type of mixer, maybe a specific size of mixer. Uh, here is what I would recommend. We're going to dig into Google Shopping just a little bit for those that, that, that use Google Shopping. I think you should treat every product differently and or every offer differently. So if you're in the service-based business, look at every offer, every landing page. Treat that differently than you would the rest of your landing pages. Treat every product a little bit differently. And with Google Shopping, I recommend skew level bidding, where you've got a unique bid for every product so we can look at the data. So let's talk about what that looks like. Now, I didn't say a whole lot about my personal life. That is actually my family. And so uh, that is my, my wife and I. We, uh, my daughters cheer for the Lighthouse Christian Chargers down in Springfield. And we are not Amish, uh, nor are we Mormon. Uh, we're Catholic. We, we are just, we're crazy. And so we have a lot of kids. So we always wanted a big family, and then we just, we totally overachieved. And so we have eight. So there are eight kids. Uh, the oldest is a boy, youngest is a boy, and we have six girls in between. So I work to pay for weddings and to pay for college, right? That's, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing this. Uh, but I had someone say to me one time, and I thought this was so smart, that if you treat all of your kids the same, you only end up with one good kid, right? Because all kids are different, right? You have to treat them differently. Now, there have to be some consistencies, right? You have to have some rules that are consistent across the board. You don't want kids to feel like you're playing favorites, even if they may be your favorite. Um, we don't play favorites, though. Uh, but, you know, you want, you want to have some consistency, but there are some kids who, uh, I don't know that we've had any of these, but one, some kids where you look at them with a stern look and they just melt, right? They don't want to let down mom and dad, you give them a certain look and they, they cry and they say, I'm so sorry, mom and dad, I know I messed up. There are other kids where you can threaten to take away every possession that they own. You can, you can threaten grounding for two or three months and they, they really just look at you like, bring it on. Let's, let's, let's see what you got, buddy. I think I got eight of those. Uh, so likely that will bode well for them later in life, that tenacity and that, that uh, fierceness, but it, it, it is a pain now. Um, but so you have to treat kids differently, right? So with my son who plays basketball, I want to get out on the court and rough him up a little bit. I'm not going to let him win either, right? That's my philosophy. Like you, you'll win when you can win. Uh, we're going we're gonna to teach competition right now. We're going to play and get after it. I have some daughters who like to color and read. And so I like to do that, right? So you want to treat each kid uniquely because they are unique. The same thing can go with your products or with your services or with your offerings. Treat everything differently because it is. So give an example. This is a report. Anybody here really like spreadsheets? Like you are a spreadsheet wizard? Uh, I am not, but we got several people on our team that are. And so this is a report that we like to look at for Google Shopping. So if you're engaged in SKU level bidding in Google Shopping, this is where you can, and even if you're not, you can download this data and look at product by product, clicks, cost, click-through rate, return on ad spend, Right? You can see all of that at a product level. So here's sometimes what we find with Google Shopping. There may be some products that you think should do well on Google Shopping that actually don't. Right, So you think this product should sell really well, 
but it actually is not selling very well. And so when you see this data, then you can make decisions accordingly. You can say, hey, you know what? I'm going to bid down on this product or I'm going to shift gears on this product. So what you may find if you have a product that's underperforming, it may either be competitive, right? So maybe I'm selling this, this a mirrorless camera, but all my competitors are way under price, way under my price. And so then I may have to look at, okay, then I need to restrict the audience. Now I need to look at, maybe I still want those keywords, but I got I to gotta reduce the audience. I need to upload my customer list, go after just a similar audience, and cut out some of that waste. Or maybe I'm in a position where this product's just not going to do well on Google Shopping. So I need to bid down, or I may, I may need to remove it or make other changes. And so you never know, though, unless you dig into the data. Like, you got to look closely at the data. What we see a lot when we, when we audit other accounts, other, other uh, you know, prospective clients' accounts, we see a lot of Google Shopping campaigns where all the products are lumped together with the same bid. So every product has the same bid. Uh, all the while, there may be some products in there that get like a one return on ad spend and some products that get like a 15 return on ad spend, right? Which to calculate that, a one return on ad spend means I spend a dollar, I get a dollar in sales. A 15 means I spend a dollar, I get $15 in sales. So looking at that, we would say, man, I want to spend more on the campaign, on the product that's getting me a great return. And so you have to see at the SKU level, though, to be able to do that. And so uh, if you're interested in Google Shopping, I'd be happy to send you this formula. This is what we look at where we take sales price, less cost of goods sold to get your available profit. And then you multiply your available profit time, your conversion rate. And that's where you get your max CPC, like the initial starting uh, CPC that, that you could, you, or a CPC that you could afford to pay uh, for Google Shopping. So I'm going to skip through a couple of these. As you get middle funnel or lower, this is where you can be a little less restrictive with your audience. This is where you can say, hey, now the keywords that people are searching for, that's doing a lot of the filtering for me. So people aren't really typing in this long query about the, the, the Gucci bag unless they're really interested. So as you get mid-funnel or lower, you can be less strict with the audience targeting. And, and I could have started here. Uh, in fact, I thought about starting with this uh, section. Really, if you want to build a huge funnel, Think about it just like building a big house, right? Uh, if you've ever been to the Sears Tower, or now the Willis Tower, I have a hard time uh, calling it that. But when they built the Sears Tower, uh, they went all the way down to bedrock, right? So that foundation was super solid. It was deep. Uh, it was, the, the foundation was built for scale. If you want to scale your funnel, the bottom of the funnel better be good, right? The bottom of the funnel better be, better be strong because if you've got the bottom of funnel right, then you know if you get enough of the right people going through your funnel that there's going to be enough conversions. And so we could, we could actually start at the bottom of the funnel. And this is what I recommend if you're doing YouTube, search, shopping, start at the bottom of the funnel and then, and then work your way up. But this is where we're looking at really long tail keywords, very specific keywords, and, and trying to maximize bottom of the funnel. So what these keywords may look like, it would be brand plus model number, brand plus NPN, brand plus model name, something very specific, right? Or it's a very, it, it, it's someone searching for your service, but they know, they know what your service is all about, right? It's not weight loss. It's this particular type of procedure, you know, to help you with weight loss. It's someone that really knows what they're looking for. That's more uh, bottom of funnel uh, or, or it's branded related search uh, as well. So your goals for bottom of funnel, this is where you want to look at lots of direct conversions, right? This is where you want to be stingy. This is where you want to say, hey, this should be scoring a lot of points. This should be getting us a lot of direct conversions. And so have 
high direct conversion goals here, high return on ad spend goals, uh, lower volume, but higher efficiency with bottom of funnel. So uh, the way we look at this often is with more of a portfolio approach where we say, okay, if our overall goal, and I, and I think it's awesome to have goals, let's say that we need, based on our margins, we need a four return on ad spend. So for every dollar I spend in, in advertising, I need $4 in return. Okay, you're not going to get a four to one with YouTube. You're just not. But with some of your bottom of funnel campaigns, you may get a 10 to one or 12 to one. And so the way we look at it is how does the portfolio work together? So maybe at the top of funnel, I'm only getting a 0.5 return on ad spend or maybe a one return on ad spend. As I get lower, it's higher return on ad spend. But then as a whole, total dollars spent, total dollars in sales that come in, that needs to be at a, at a row as of four or greater. Does that make sense? Looking at it as, as, a, as a portfolio and how they work together. That's where you can really see some awesome growth. So back to remarketing with YouTube. This is where you should start with YouTube. This is where you can test your videos. So you can make sure that, hey, this video actually is, is resonating and, and it's actually doing what it should do. We had this, this client uh, who sold barbecue grills and we did very well with them on, on YouTube. The first video they gave us had a five-second intro that was nothing but their logo. Right? So the logo kind of came in and it was all animated and, and it was just really boring, terribly boring. So you've got to hook them in the first five seconds, right? You've got you to hook them and then engage them. And so starting with a remarketing audience is a great way to test your videos. So start with your remarketing audiences, run those YouTube videos. And these are the top audiences I recommend. At the base level would be uh, all visitors, right? So this is just anybody that's been to your site. So if they've been to your site, they're on the all, all visitors list. Uh, one step better than that is if they've been to the product detail page, or this would be kind of an offer landing page if you're not in e-commerce. Uh, one step better than that would be a cart visitor. So if maybe they, they started checkout but didn't complete it, that's kind of the next step. That's the next best thing. And then one uh, that's even better is customers, right? So we, we've, this person we know has bought from us in the past. And what we've done with a skincare business in particular, but a few others as well, is we'll create a list of people who have bought one product but not another product. So there's a way you can do this in Google Analytics where you can say, hey, they bought the uh, client that we use, uh, Boom by Cindy Joseph. They bought the Boom Stick, but they haven't bought Boom Silk, which is another skincare product. So we're going to target all the Boom Stick buyers. We're going to put them on a YouTube list. We're going to show them a video for Boom Silk. Now we know, like, this audience likes our brand. They bought our product, right? Now, but now we're showing them a product they've never purchased. That list is a rock star. Like that list works really well, and those videos convert at a really, really high level. Um, so I'm about out of time. I want to do maybe one or two questions. This is what it could look like, and this is a little bit complex. I can send you this image later, but it's where we're looking at stacking the right traffic sources at the top of the funnel, which leads to a landing page or a product detail page. Then we build in our remarketing lists, layer those into search and shopping. Then we do our, our display and YouTube remarketing from there. But this is the kind of stuff where if you build it like this, you can really scale your funnel so much bigger than if you just say, eh, YouTube needs to behave like search. YouTube needs to behave like shopping because it just, it just won't. So I think I have time for maybe like one or two questions. I will stick around afterwards as well. But any, any questions about any of this? Or you at the end of the day just want to go home? All right, I used your handbag example a thousand times, so I'll let you ask a question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's all going to be driven by either the cart platform itself, so like Shopify, Magento, BigCommerce, whatever you're using. Some of them have built-in capabilities where if you start the checkout process, if you've entered your email, if you haven't, they can't do it. 
But if you've entered your email address before you bail, then they'll, then they'll send you that abandoned cart email. But you can also then take that list and remark to those people on YouTube or with a display ad. And, and often what's, what's great is just this simple reminder ad. So some people abandon cart because they get busy or because they're shopping at a stoplight, which I've done before. Right? You're shopping at a stoplight, light turns green, you got to leave, and you, you don't finish checking out right there. And so um, that's where you can just run an ad. It's a reminder. Hey, you left something in your cart. Would you like to check out now? And then if they don't buy, then you can kind of add offers or, or you know, up the ante a little bit, sweeten the deal a little bit to get them to come back and purchase later. So, yes, all the way in the back. You had a question a minute ago? Yeah. Yeah, great question. So consignment shop. Would I recommend selling on Google Shopping if you only have one of a particular item? Usually, no. Um, unless, well, because as soon as it goes out of stock, then that ad's going to be disapproved and you can no longer run it. If you were selling really high-end unique products and, and you, know, you could afford to pay a decent amount in clicks on one individual product, then, then I would. Probably for apparel, not so much, no. Uh, one thing you could do, though, and this is newer, uh, these are called showcase shopping ads where you can bundle products together. Let's say someone is searching for summer dresses in, in your area, whatever area you're wanting to target. You can run a showcase shopping ad that maybe has five or six dresses. Uh, usually Google will limit it to like three that they actually show. And then that could actually lead to more of a category page. So that could work. But, but, but traditional Google shopping would be, would be tricky in that, in that scenario. Great question though. Awesome. I think I may have time for one more. That's quick. Yes, sir. In the back. Yes, you can. So the question was, if I upload a list of customers directly to Google, can I target them in the Google Display Network? Google does have some restrictions. Uh, they have restrictions because of privacy issues. I think a lot of what motivates Google is they don't want to get sued, right? Uh, and so the, you know, lawyers help make a lot of those decisions. So a lot of the stuff when it's for privacy issues, I think that's why. Um, so if you upload a customer list, you are somewhat limited in what you can target. Once you upload that customer list, which is super easy, then you can look at that in your audience manager in AdWords, and it's going to tell you exactly how many people you can target by channel. It's going to say, hey, based on that list, you can target 5,000 people in search and 50,000 people in YouTube. So YouTube is a go, search is a go, Google Display Network, not, not always. Yeah, we've tried that and, and, and has not worked. Or Google restricts that type of audience targeting directly to the Google Display Network. Awesome. Okay, I kept you guys over. You've been phenomenal. Thank you so much. I'll stick around for questions. Enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the E-Commerce Evolution Podcast. I would love to connect with you and get your feedback. Connect with me on Facebook, fb.com forward slash the Brett Curry. Would love to connect with you there, answer your questions, Give me ideas for topics for the podcast. Would love to interact with you there. If you feel so inclined, I would love it if you shared this podcast with other e-commerce store owners or other people in the industry. And also would love that five-star review in iTunes. That helps the show grow and helps other people discover it. Until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. 
One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.